Welcome, everybody. It is another episode of Fantasy Alarm Hockey. Uh, my name is Andrew Dewhurst. As always, I'm joined by Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Not too bad. Not too bad, Andrew. Yourself? Oh, not too bad. It is a. It is Sunday. It is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers, whether they be human, dog, cat, what other animal you may uh, you may look after. Uh, or soon to be, should that be the case? Um, we had an interesting week in the NHL, to say the least. Uh, Connor McDavid surpasses the hundred point mark in fifty three games last night. Uh, we had lots of theatrics in in New York City earlier in the week. Uh, so let's get started and start looking at some of the stuff. So um, we'll start with McDavid. So. 100 points in 53 games. Uh, I think I had seen you tweet, Chris, that he was on a 150-point pace if this was a, a full regular season. 157 to 157. be exact. 157. Just think is... about that for a moment, though. In an 82-game season on a 157-point pace. <laughs> well, like... and factor in, he is... 33 points ahead of the next highest person who isn't on his team. Yeah. Like, no, let's not dis like let's not disregard Brad Marshawn and Mitch Marner for a moment. Those are very good players on very good teams. But he is on McDavid's on another planet. I, I tweet this every time because it's just like Connor, think about this. Connor McDavid is too good for the NHL. Like we talk about like kids it, like playing junior hockey and college hockey being too good for the league and, you know, it, you know, promote them so they can learn something different. You know, th that whole conversation around why players get exceptional status in the OHL so that they can, you know, try to better themselves. Or let's say, you know, when Austin Matthews went over to Europe to play that one season. Uh, I mean, most recently, right, Cole Caulfield and what he did uh, at, at Wisconsin. You always talk about players trying to get to the like. What's the next level for Connor McDavid here? Like, where <laughs> well, else can he go? Um, like, he's at points? the highest level right now, which is the NHL. And he's on a team that gives him no support outside of Leon Dreisweidel. And he is just taking this Oilers team, which, but by the way, the Oilers are a bad team. Okay. Let's not get that confused for a moment. Okay. Cause I, I've, I've seen a lot of people telling me how great the Edmonton Oilers are. And I'm, you know, sit down, right? Like, you know, you have two forwards, you have two defensemen and you got a old goalie who's just chucking himself around here. But it's, it's just whole, it's a whole other level for McDavid. And I feel like we're just watching greatness happen. Every time he steps on the ice, I can't play a DFS slate anymore when he's on it. I, I just can't because I, or I, I can, um, and it starts by playing McDavid. I don't even break him down anymore in the playbook. Like I, I want people to tell me why they're not playing him. Like, I just, I just yeah. want to know why you're not going to roster. I don't care what his price tag is. He's going to get you three to four points, especially when he's was playing Vancouver so often. And he was just racking up three, four points anyway. So it's free money. It, it's money in the bank at that point, right? Either you don't play him, and you try to go and get more points out of some other player, or you just eat the chalk and say, hey, you know, either we all go down on this boat or we're all going to the moon. So we whichever one it is. But 
man, he's just he is fun to watch, man. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Right. I mean, certainly the most exciting player to watch in recent memory. Right. I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head uh, that's as electric to watch as as McDavid. Like, I just... can't think of a more dominating player in yeah. the NHL right now. For me, like in my time of watching hockey, right? Like I can't think of a player who has been, there have been some, like there have been some really, really good players. And again, you can compare, like it's hard to compare one era to another, but what, like what he's doing at the pace that he's doing it, like we, we lived in a time where like players could barely break a hundred points. This guy's doing it in 53 games. In a shortened season, basically. Yeah. Like, that's... Like, even if he doesn't hit 150-point pace, because that's just ridiculous. Even if he finishes, like, with 130. In the modern NHL, that's... Like, that's well, crazy. And, and keep in mind, right? Well, yes, he has 100 points. And this is playing against just five other teams. Six and, and and let's not this like, so like every team, right? Like it's not as if after you know, oh well, you know, we saw McDavid twice, you know what, he lit us up. You know what? We don't have to see him for the rest of the year. Like you're yeah, you're there's no way you're not spending time game planning this, right? Like Vancouver gives up like if we look at those last four games, right? McDavid gets two goals, two assists. Uh, in the first game against Vancouver, in Vancouver. All right. Well, we gotta we gotta shut this down so we don't lose the next game, right? Because we know we gotta play them three more times. We gotta get this figured out. Nope. Two two assists, three assists, a goal, three assists. Well, didn't get it figured out, right? Like you would easily brush that off and say, you know what? There's a pretty good chance we don't see Edmonton again this year. Move on. Not this year. You got to figure it out. And teams and, didn't. And I don't think put this into context, right? Like he is, he's absolutely torn apart the Ottawa Senators. He's torn apart, uh, right? The Calgary Flames, the Vancouver Canucks, the Winnipeg Jets. Like the only team that's been able to control him is Montreal, right? So imagine had he you and know, been able. And, and, and Toronto, yes. Yeah. So those are the two teams where he didn't obliterate them and he's still averaging over a point per game, right? right? But he's not absolutely ripping apart his competition here uh, for at, at least those two teams, but especially against Montreal here, like he, he hasn't found success against them. Imagine had he found some, Can you imagine yeah. the pace that he would be on. It'd be un, like, it'd be unstoppable, unstoppable. Yeah. Well, I mean, and at the same time, like imagine what kind of pace he'd be on if he got to play instead of playing eight, nine games against Montreal and Toronto. If he got to play like four games against yeah. Buffalo, and people he got to were play sitting there four talking, games against San poorly. Jose. People were sitting there talking poorly about the North division. Oh, he did it against the North. Like the North division is actually not that terrible as people want to think it is like, he, Oh, he did this playing against Ottawa and Vancouver. Okay. He also didn't get to do this against Buffalo Anaheim, 
San Jose. Right? Like the, the, the New Jersey Devils, San Jose. The, like if you think about the original West of what it was, he would be in a division with the Arizona Coyotes, the San Jose Sharks, the Los Angeles Kings, Calgary Flames, Vancouver Canucks, Anaheim Ducks. Man, that's a pretty that's a pretty <laughs> terrible yeah. division, if you ask me. Like he probably would have had more. And I'll, the, the the only two teams that have been terrible in the North, really, is Ottawa and Vancouver. And Vancouver had to deal with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, I don't if you go and look at Ottawa's numbers, yeah, they're not fantastic. I mean, they're uh, going to finish oh, the sorry, season. Calgary. I, I forgot the Calgary fans. My apologies, Calgary. Yeah. You're bad. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, although maybe not, maybe not quite as bad, right? But, like... They I still have five games to play, yeah. including the ones they're playing tonight. Right. But this, this but notion like, that the only reason he was able to have this success was because he played teams in the North Division is just, yeah. is just smoke in the eyes here. Yeah, because, I mean, you know it as well as anybody, like, well, maybe Ottawa and Calgary aren't, didn't have great years. They weren't teams that were often really easy to play against. Like, yeah, McDavid lit up Ottawa quite a bit. But, like, it wasn't a team that just, like, quit every night. It was a team that, like, still went out, competed. I mean, they've won, they're eight, one and one in their last ten. Like, that's not nothing. I mean... They had at least a winning record at home, well, a kind of winning record, an NHL winning record. They're 13, 10, and 4. Um, so, I mean, that's, not, again, not completely nothing. Calgary, yeah, Calgary, very disappointing season. No one's going to deny that. Um, but at the same time, like, that's not a team that you're like, yeah, I can't wait to play Calgary tonight. In the same way that you look at, like, uh, probably playing Anaheim and San Jose, where it's like, oh, are you play? San Jose tonight. Well, all right, that's 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 fine. Like, there's no grit on that team. We'll just skate through, and it'll be fine. We'll score lots of goals. I mean, I'm looking forward to next season when we have a regular schedule. Um, like at times, like at, for me at least, this season's really felt like a grind with teams playing the same teams over and over and over again. Yeah, like you, it's like. Well, and especially I... in the Canadian division, like you have to change time zones. Travel hasn't been great for any of those Canadian teams, right? Going out west a lot, right? It's tough for East Coast teams to go out west. Tough for West Coast teams to come east as well. Those yeah. long road trips and stuff. So I feel like everything that McDavid has been able to achieve has been based on him being literally the, the best player in, in in the league. And it's wild because again, I was reading i mean i was i will say something for a sunday mother's day i was like i was a little bit tilted in the afternoon watching people there was one tweet and it was trying to explain why Sidney crosby was going to win the heart trophy <laughs> and i'm sitting there going like Sidney crosby's a good player fine but you have to be out of your mind if you think he's the most and the and the the notion was that i mean the penguins what they've done is still pretty amazing right they, they take yeah. home their division They've lost a ton of players due to injury, right? Malkin's missed a large majority of time. Trish and Jerry did not start well. And then here they are at like finishing. Not only did they finish top in their division, but as of like right now, they also led the league in goals for, <laughs> which is again, which is wild considering the number of injuries they've had to deal with and everything that's going on. So again, 
nothing against Sidney Crosby for being here, but he is not the most valuable player to his team. I, I still think the well, Penguins would have competed without him. It mu- it, they may not have finished first, but I think they would have competed. And uh, I, I mean, I think there's a case to be made there, right? Like, how I, terrible... I, I think the Penguins as a team are better as a team than the Edmonton Oilers are. Like that, I I I think we can go off. Sure. As yeah. a team, fine. If you well, remove, just think about it for a second. If you remove McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers, what do you have left? Like, last year's heart winner. Yeah, there's. That's that's not a nothing though, right? Like you take you take Crosby off of the Penguins, and really, like, do you think Gensel and Rust are any good without, without probably Crosby there? Probably not. No. Like I said, nothing against Sidney Crosby sitting there and say, you know, he's, he's definitely done what he's been able to do. He's top 10 in scoring. He's done what he's had to do. Yeah. But the Edmonton Oilers have 174 goals this season, right? Like Connor McDavid's been in on 57% of that. He is right. literally the offense. Well, it goes through him. I, I guess it's a, this is the, the, the honest and simple question, right? Is like, do you think the Hart Trophy should go to the best player in the league, or the most, or the the player who is most valuable to like if we're to that team? Which it, to me, sh- and which to me means, if that player wasn't on that team, would they have been successful? Right? Like if when the award is who's the best player in the league, hundred percent, it's it's McDavid. It's not close. It's not even remotely close. Um, But I think when you talk value, it's it's a little different conversation. But but it does go to the player judged most valuable to his team. That I'm that I'm a hundred. It's literally the description of the Hart Memorial Trophy, right? Which is, and you can have this conversation in many different ways as to what that is. Like we don't talk about defensemen a lot being the most valuable player to their team. They they kind of get forgotten in this sense, right? We'll talk about a forward. And, you know, every once in a while, a goalie wins it, yeah. right? But, again, if I'm looking at McDavid and I'm saying, is he judged the most valuable player to his team? Hands down, it's yes. Like, I don't wish it ever, 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 ever. But, like, imagine McDavid gets, like, a season-ending injury next year. Has to miss, I don't know, misses 50-plus games. Something terrible happens. Again, knock on wood. Like, are the Edmonton Oilers even going to compete? Or or do they become a lottery team? Um, Well, obviously it's hard to... These things are hard to gauge, right? And and the reason... If if, if I had to put money on it, if somebody said, hey, Chris, which way are you going on this? McDavid gets hurt. Are they going to compete for a playoff spot? Or do they become a lottery team? I'd put money on them being a lottery team. They would... Easily fall apart completely. This like, is... Drysaito could probably hold his own. He could, but could he carry that team to where they need to be? It would well, be tough. Yeah, because I mean, Edmonton year... Oilers. Don't forget the Edmonton Oilers have little to no supporting cast right on their team. Let's be honest. They they like they have some good players, but those players benefit from playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl, right? Like, Jesse oh, Puyarvi's yeah. had a pretty oh, yeah. good stretch here. Well, yeah, he's playing with McDavid. I mean, Kaylee Yamamoto's had a tough season. There is a 
there's a significant gap between the top two players. Like in the top five, this is Edmonton's top five, okay, in scoring. And then the, the gap, it, again, is just, it's, it's, it's massive. I was looking at this and I was like, I can't, I can't believe this is real life. I can't believe this is real life, right? Like, so you have Connor McDavid. He is at the top. You have a hundred, right? He has a 21 point lead on his teammate who he shares literally a, a, a line with most of the time. Right. And even if they get split up that last, what all of 10 minutes, right? Probably as long as you put a toddler in a corner for doing something he shouldn't have. Right. Then Tyson Berry's third, by the way, he's got 46 points. Okay. So 79. Okay. To 46. There's 33 point difference between your second and third. Darnell nurse is the fourth player. Okay. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is the fifth. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is 33 points on the season. 33. So like from first to fifth, there's a 67 point difference. I can't I, I, I don't remember that ever being the case for any team. Yeah. First ever. to sixth, seventy-five points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like it's been it's 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 been a wild season, right? Like I mean Oh yeah. Josh Archibald is tenth on the team. He's got thirteen points. There is no balance on this team. When we talk about top heavy, this is as top heavy as it gets. You have two elite goal scorers. I mean, Tyson Berry and Dar- Darnell Nurse, great defensemen. They're not there for their defensive skills, right? They, I mean, Darnell Nurse probably a little bit better than Tyson Berry, but they're not there to focus on defense all the time. They're yeah. there to contribute or at least help the offense. And then yeah. you got a whole bunch of decent players just, I mean, they don't, they haven't really produced. Brian Nugent Hopkins has been virtually invisible. Jesse Puyarvi is, I mean, he, he's come on strong of late, but he's was not good. Most of the season, Kelly Yamamoto, huge step back, not that great. And the pieces that you brought in to be, I don't know, good. Talking about Kyle Turris, I mean, virtually <laughs> invisible on the ice, right? Tyler is virtually invisible. Dominic Cahoon, virtually invisible. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I so t- to me, just to wrap that back here on on on, on the heart, he is to me, the most valuable player to his team. And it's not even close. Not at all. At least in my mind, it's not close. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's some debate to be made here, right? Do I think McDavid's going to win? Yes. Do I think he should win? Yes. Do I think you could debate debate this larger? Yeah, probably, right? Like, you would, I'm sure, if you dig into the the defensive metrics, you'd you'd probably say, well, Crosby Crosby's a better defensive player. Crosby plays, you know, a more all around game, and and that's a hundred percent true. But right? he has and, to. Connor and, McDavid possesses the puck so much, like that's the one. If you possess the puck, you don't have to play defense. Connor yeah. McDavid doesn't have to play defense because the puck's always on a stick. And good luck trying to get it back. Like good luck. Once he has it. Oh boy, you're you're never getting it back. He's it, he's just that good. Yeah, I mean, again, what, no offense. What, to la, one last thing I'll, I'll, I will note here. 
when will we continue to, you know, all like have the awe over McDavid? He has third. He has essentially right. If you just took his power play points, he'd be fourth. He'd be fifth in the team in points. Yeah. Right. Just he's got thirty-five power play points. That's two more points than Nugent Hopkins has. Of wood playing while playing tw- almost 21 minutes a night. He's got 10 so. game winning goals, right? Yep. If you take just those 10 game winning goals, that puts in between Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who has 14, <laughs> and Alex Chason, who has eight. That's that's literally sixth spot on the team. Just yep. power play goals. And that's just 10. So. They have five players with double digit goals. Five. That's it. One of them, by the way, being Darnell Nurse. He is third on the team in goals. Third. He plays the defense <laughs> position. Yeah. He has 16, which is, again, pretty very good season for Darnell Nurse. Right? The points may not be there, but he's got 16 goals. He does a lot of stuff. He gets his, you know, he's, he contributes at even strength, which is something that I think is important. He's not just a power play heavy player. He takes... A, a decent amount of shots on goal. Yeah, he can block them as well. He plays a big amount of minutes. He's he's done his part. He's done his part, hundred percent. But he one, shouldn't one, be the third scorer on the team, though. One thing I'm going to note about Darnell Nurse uh, is that uh, anyone who is playing fantasy next year, please do not overdraft Darnell Nurse. Those goals are not for real. He's 5x his shooting percentage over last year. Yeah, he... 2x over the year before. He ain't scoring 16 goals again. He's probably a 10-goal guy. He's at best a 40-point player in a normal season. I, I think, unless there is... Uh, I mean, he's shooting the puck a lot more than he has in the past. I don't think he would get to 200. He's had two seasons that win the one high 190s he he's not shooting 10 percent again he's got uh, 147 shots on the season which puts him again third he is a defenseman <laughs> yeah well it's gonna be interesting i mean i'll be interested to see what happens with with edmonton come playoff time i, I think we're all well maybe we're not all well aware of this but I mean, Edmonton got bounced in the first round last year against Chicago. They're going to have a Winnipeg team this year who is ice cold and the Oilers have dominated. So I don't think that's going to be... Uh, I think Edmonton's going to win that in, win the first round probably in five, I would guess. No more than six. And then uh, I don't think they're going to... Honestly, I, I don't see them doing all that well against Toronto. I think it's going to, I think Toronto's too deep. Uh, But McDavid's the X factor, right? Like if he, he can score whenever you need a goal. Oh, they have first one. Oh, it's one, one. Oh, there we go. Two, one done. There we go. We can just keep, keep you can't, you you just can't let your guard around him for a half a second. Cause if you do, in that half a second, he's already four strides deep and he's about to burn you and you don't even see it coming. Yeah. Right? Like ask Morgan Riley how 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 he <laughs> feels about Connor McDavid and he's gonna yeah. tell you. It, it's I, I agree. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because 
The Oilers just aren't built in a way that you traditionally expect. They aren't built to win a Stanley Cup, obviously, right? Right. Which sucks because Connor McDavid's one of those, you know, top, like, he's, again, he's he's on a whole other planet. And I feel like the Oilers are just wasting all these prime years where he's going to put up, like, a hundred. I, I think he can probably put up 150 points one one year. Hundred, like he's 24. He's not even yeah. in like peak. He's yet. in. He, yeah, he's there right now. He's in his. He's in his primes for the next. You know, starting now into the next three four years. Sure, but he can probably like he's 24. He can still get better. Oh yeah, which is scary because you're like, well, like at what point does he stop? Like at what point does he come back down to earth? Like does he have? Can he cool off? Like this pace has just been relentless, relentless. I can't. I mean, I've lost count on how much money I've lost because McDavid's gone off. I stopped counting. I stopped telling my <laughs> girlfriend how much it was. I was like, doesn't matter. Don't ask. How'd your team do tonight? Uh, yeah, what team? Yeah, what? What? I don't. I didn't roster McDavid. That's all you need to know. Well. That's the extent of the conversation. Joke's on you. I know. I, I should know better at this point. I feel like I've gone, right? We, we've gone through, some teams have played all 56 games, right? Like, I should have learned at some point, but well, here I am. And, and the interesting thing in the DFS time. perspective is that, like, earlier in the week, I think it was Tuesday, either Tuesday or Thursday, McDavid, Matthews, and McKinnon were all playing. Yeah. Who do you think was the most expensive? Oh, it was McDavid. No, it wasn't. It was Matthews. What week was this? This is this week. It was like 9,900, something like that. I'll, I'll go back and find it. Was was it maybe Matthews, McDavid, and then uh, McKinnon? Yeah. Yeah, that's how, 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 how it played out. And I that was see... like... I, I can see the argument for having Matthews being the most expensive player. I mean, he all, all he does score, right? Yeah. Um, right. He's got forty goals on the season. He's he's shooting the puck again, which is nice, right? Because if you rostered him at one point when his wrist was bothering him, yeah, he, wasn't uh, he wasn't shooting anything. He was not generating any shots. He was two, three shots, which is not what I'm looking for. Um, I guess he gave that to. Uh, Max Pacioretty before he went down with injury because Max Pacioretty stopped shooting the puck. But I mean, I mean, when when Matthews is shooting the puck, it's dangerous, right? Because he's gonna he's he's gonna score goals. The one thing I would say though about Austin Matthews is that right, he's I mean, he's a very goal heavy dependent player, and he's he's doing it right. He's 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 got forty goals in fifty games. He's he's clearly put in the work here. Um, but in DFS, I guess, point wise, if, if you're trying to hit the triple point, which is what McDavid can consistently hit. I mean, there's another bonus you yeah. get on DraftKings. Right. It's for, for my money, you play the reason why I would be praised. Well, I agree. Goals are better, right? Goals are worth more and that, mm, right. that affects pricing. But like, I look at the price and say, well, what's the ceiling? And the ceiling of McDavid is on. There's no player who can give you that type of ceiling, not on with any amount of consistency, right? True. Where you're like, oh, four points, fifty points, there it is, done. See you guys later. Uh, all I need is 
70 points, 60 points from the rest of my lineup, and I probably cashed tonight. Mind you, the difficulty being, I mean, in cash games, there's no way around it. You have to play McDavid. You just yeah. can't be on the wrong side of him getting 50 points and you the hill having too, zero dollars of too it. Hard, like, it. It's too high to climb. Right. Like, even if you decided not to play him, let's say you didn't, and he pops off for, like, I don't know, 40 plus. Let's say he, let's say it's 40, okay? Low yeah. end 40, right? You would have to then take that money that you saved, right? And basically redistribute it between one player and another player, right? So what's the upside? What is that player you're paying up for instead of, let's say, paying down for? Because with McDavid, it's McDavid, and then you're probably going to get maybe, you know, a lower end tier player. Whereas if you save that salary, maybe you get two middle tier players. Well, are those middle tier players going to give you 20, uh, you know, 20 points each? Well, that's basically the minimum that you need at that point. If McDavid, if, 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 if you're on the wrong side of McDavid hitting just 40 and we've seen him hit 45 and 50 fantasy points. So again, that money that you're saving, then you, you need those two players to contribute. And if they don't, or only one does, now, now you've set yourself behind the eight ball quite a bit. And that's just to break even, right? You need both of them to get 20 Correct. points to get to the same place. Correct. That's just need- to get to where you need to be, where you said, okay, this was a good decision. Now you need the rest of your lineup to kick in. <laughs> and right. again, if I, take, if I take McDavid and, I don't know, a lower tier player, and that lower tier player, I don't know, gets me eight points, right? I don't know. Well, I mean, he still did. He still got me eight Right, yeah, which That's is forty-eight. You know, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it, it it is what it is. I'm I'm taking a player who does, you know, I'm taking a risk on a lower tier player. Hello, that's it. Or if you've been playing a lot of yes, you know, Jesse Puyarvi late, you've been fine. Right, he's he's been quite affordable on DraftKings. Why I don't know, but he's you know he's been playing well and he's been sub five k a lot. So hey, just plug him right in there and just go along with your day. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I saw a lot of really good values through the week. Uh, like, Anaheim stinks, but Trevor Zegers has had uh, four points in four games. Had a five-shot bonus in two of those four games. You getting that for 3600 Yeah, I'll, I'll take McDavid plus that. If you're getting, like, a point plus the shot bonus. That, work I think me. that's what happens a lot of times in cash games is people are trying to look for definite correlations, right? You, you, you're trying to get that two-man stack or that three-man stack. Yeah. And sometimes when you're paying for it, like... I, it doesn't it, work when I'm, you got to pay top, top... No, money. but even with McDavid, I'm not stacking it with anybody. A lot no, of times in the playbook, I don't have him stacked with anybody. I don't need the rest. I don't need the trio. Just give me the burger, forget the fries, and forget the soda. I don't need it. Just give me McDavid. And I don't care about the rest. I'll find, you know, I'll find value that sits on its own. I'll, I have a lot of players who I like to use as a single bullet. I just need some exposure to this. And this is a player who I think can bring back value. Zegers is an excellent point. Maxime Contois has been that. Yeah. I mean, my God, at the beginning of the year, I was just playing him for free. It's literally free money. He's plug him in there and he'd score a goal. And okay, he's playing top power, you know, top line, whatever you want to call the top line in Anaheim. His top power play minutes and. Thirty three hundred dollars. Okay, sign like sign me up. Chandler Stevenson. Oh my God! All basically all year, free money. I just just you know 
some exposure to Pacioretty and Stone, you can play him and you'll get everything you need to get. And he's, you know, sometimes people get caught in trying to stack. And I mean, in, in GPPs, you want to, but I think those single bullets sometimes is just getting some of that exposure just to complete your lineup, just to get the pieces that fit so that when you're not going with those full man stacks or when you're not going with a three or four player option, you still need to round out your line lineup with players who can provide yeah. value. That's what you're looking for. Can they exceed value? Everything else out of, outside of that is just fancy stats or optimize, you know, or trying to be optimal. But in, can this player provide value is what I'm looking for. In in slates that are probably eight or more, I think it totally makes sense to to spend right. less time worrying about uh, worrying about stacks and spending more time strategically thinking about. Am I gonna have like? There's huge variance, right? So as soon as you hit eight, eight, ten games, you have massive amounts of variance because there's so many potential outcomes that can hit. Uh, but the difference is, is that you know what you're getting in McDavid, right? You don't have to worry about it. That's like your equalizer. You should start there, going, all right. If I get forty here, where am I gonna get the rest of the points? Knowing, you know, on a in a GPP, you might need 160. You're going to need 160 plus to to win it. So, you know, don't oh, like don't think yourself. And like coming into playoff DFS games, like round one, don't be cute about it, right? If Edmonton's playing, take McDavid and Drysital. Be done with it. Chances are they're going to give you more points than anyone else in the slate. Just just start there and find the value everywhere else. Right? Like, I, I can't tell you how many times the last year that I made that just just between, like, McKinnon and Randon. It was just like, yep, yeah, just, just got those two guys in. You're good. Right? First, if you got, you know, your, your you know, your, your uh, you try Soto, you get McDavid going against Chicago. You find a couple value guys on Chicago, or you throw in your Josh Archibald, somebody who might score a goal or two, just chipping it in. That's like you're most of the way there. As long as your goalie doesn't, you know, make a mess all over the bed, you're, you're probably cashing in, in, G, in GPPs because a lot, there's a lot of people out there, you know, oh, well. I got to get the right stacks. I got to get all these things. And I was like, look, get the best players, get the two best players on the same team that are going to do the most damage and move forward. Couldn't agree more. So, um, moving on, we'll, we'll talk about the other, uh, we'll talk about the other big event of the week. Uh, we'll try not to talk directly about the other big event of the week. So, um, we have the incident that happens in New York. Uh, you know, Tom Wilson does Tom Wilson things. He, you know, Panarin gets hurt. Uh, there's no suspension. You know, all that stuff happens. Um, the real discussion here to me is what is the NHL doing? Right? So NHL just signs big contracts with ESPN 
in TNT. Uh, it's hard to imagine they sign those contracts, at least in my eyes, without players like Artemi Panarin, right? Panarin's a player who gets lots of points, plays in a big market, has some flair to him, right? Scores goals, gets the big leg kick. He's a likable player. So in my eyes, when you have a, a star, you could go as far as superstar, who gets hurt in the biggest hockey market in North America or the world, and your response as a league right after you just collected a giant payday is to say, you know what, our stars don't matter. That just, that message just doesn't ring true to me. I, I, I totally understand the side of those who say, well, every team wants a player like Tom Wilson. I get that because who doesn't want a player on their team who can go out, take out two of the best players in with it on the other team within five minutes and, you know, continue to skate the rest of the night while their hands what you know hands clean nothing nothing you know nothing happened here we're all moving on um i mean it adds an element to the game i mean there's a lot of talk of well the rangers aren't tough enough there's no one on that team to stand up to somebody like that but by and large there's just not a lot of players left in the league like that right i mean fights are largely gone so I really don't understand the NHL's position here. I mean, you largely embarrass yourself for like one big TV ratings day to a partner who spent much of the game ripping you in the same way that the New York Rangers did publicly for why wouldn't you, why didn't you suspend this player? Are you even competent here? Um, and all that just, was that just for, to be nice to NBC, who said we don't watch anymore, and they're the reason you're collecting the money from ESPN and, and TNT. It's like here, have have that last big ratings boost. We're we're good now. I, I really this one really boggles my mind. Like I spent way more time thinking about like angles of why the NHL would take this position than I than probably anyone should have. Uh, at least anyone who isn't getting paid directly to like write stories in a major publication about it. So um, I guess like Chris, like help me out here. Help me understand why the NHL is saying, forget the stars. We just cast our big paychecks. We'll grow the game without them, right? We'll grow the game with concussions and violence. I mean, look, the... I think people get confused thinking the NHL cares about players, right? And that, I mean, if you don't follow Alan Walsh on Twitter, you're you're missing a lot of stuff because I mean, and, and you can maybe argue that he's he's one sided to the cause, or that you know he's you know he's a player agent, so it's in his best interest to support his players. But he's been very critical of Gary Bettman, and at some you know a lot of times it's fair, sometimes it's not, but a lot of times it's fair. And in this case, you know. The NHL got what they wanted ratings wise, right? Because I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I, I've never been so, I was never so excited to watch a Washington Capitals, New York Rangers game ever. But after everything that happened, I couldn't wait to watch Game Two, 
knowing that the NHL just said, you know what, we're just going to let Tom Wilson exist. And there's there's two types of theories here, right? Because I, I mean, the comments were just the best part of it. Watching players say, you know, oh, you know, someone jumps on his back. What do you want him to do? You know, okay, well, you know, Tom Wilson getting involved before that is kind of what we're talking about here. Or the cause of when, you know, especially teams to say, well, you know what? You need to be tougher. That's the one I saw a lot. Get tougher. Get bringing a tough guy so Tom Wilson doesn't do that. And I'm saying, no, that's that's not what we need because the NHL is cons- always telling us that they don't want players policing the game, right? Which is fine, which is the same. To me, I look at it the same way as, you know, humans in life, right? If we get into, you know, if something happens, we don't police things ourselves, right? We have law enforcement. That's what they're there. And their job is to enforce the rules. The NHL has a department of player safeties. They have a rule book and they have to apply it here. And to me, Tom Wilson no longer gets the benefit of the doubt of anything. Like he's burned that bridge a long time ago. And I don't think bringing in an enforcer is where the NHL wants to go. We want to move towards more skilled players, not the guy who plays three minutes a game and his job is to get into two fights. Like that's not what the NHL is anymore. And there are not many of those players left. Like even Ryan Reeves, who I think is an enforcer has some skill. Like he can yeah. play the game. Yeah. And right? he plays 10, like eight, 10 minutes a night. Yeah. Like he's, he can actually you know, he's pretty play good. The game. And, and we don't need to be tough. This notion of toughness. I, 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 I really think it's, it's out of date here because I look at the last team to win the Stanley Cup here, right? Tampa Bay Lightning, if you, you know, if COVID's gone on too long. Uh, I don't see a tough guy on that team anywhere. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's no, like, true, like, there's, there's no, no enforcer on tough guy to protect anybody. This is a high-skilled team. So, skill wins hockey game. This notion that you got to be tough in the playoffs is just non-existent to me. I don't think you need to be I, – I, th- th- which is why I'm not looking at teams – who are tough in the playoffs and going, yeah, these these teams are going to win. No, skill wins every time. And yeah. your third line is where a lot of that skill has to be because it's depth, right? Which is why I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have gotten a lot better because they've added players who can support their top six, right? Now, whether yeah. they get it done is a whole other question, but all this to point out, right? The NHL got exactly what they wanted. They got a short-term ratings boost out of it. Because people tuned in, and it was a gong show. It was an absolute gong show, right? It looked like a beer league game where you've had too many to drink, and it's 10.30 at night, and nobody really wants to be there. And I thought it was absolutely wild for the New York Rangers to just not only just disagree with the NHL, but just publicly say George Peros' name and say, hey, you're unfit to do the actual job that you're doing. Like that, that statement had a little bit of PR, but it was like a straight uppercut saying, Hey, like they don't care. Like send me the fine. And that $250,000 fine is a decent penny as well. And we know the NHL is all big about, you know, protecting, you know, its own, protecting the owners, protecting the integrity, protecting referees. That's what they do. But Man, that was like that was a statement. When I read that, like I leaned back in my chair going, wow, did they really just say that? And I think it's a little bit unfair to put George Paros in there because don't forget, like George Paros is a puppet to the NHL. 
Like he does what they do or what they want him to do, right? Because we talked about this before, right? Remember when Brandon Shanahan was handing out suspensions? And then that lasted, what, three weeks? And the NHL told him, whoa, calm down, right? So the notion that the, the NHL, every team has its own agenda here. So we can scream, you know, suspend players more. But the Washington Capitals sitting there going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, not our guy, right? Not not our guy. That's not how we want this to work. So I, I think George Peros is caught in a tough situation. Is he unfit to do the job? I don't think so. But I think he's limited by having, you know, 30-plus owners telling him how they they see the league and how they want the rulebook to be enforced. Because some teams are more skeptic to this kind of issue, i.e. the well, Washington uh, Capitals. I mean, at the end of the day, though, this is the only way I, I can possibly think about this, right? It's like, hey, look. If you're the NHL, your goal is to grow the league. And by growing the league, I mean find ways to make more money by adding viewers, which therefore makes your product more valuable, right? You don't Correct. add viewers by having a one-night gong show that has seven fights in the first six and a half minutes, right? If anything, because all you've done one... with that is just put players in danger of getting hurt. Right. Somebody and, getting into a fight, twisting an ankle, doing this, breaking a hand. Like, you know, I don't well, want to see even like mediocre players, you know, the second and third line guys. I don't want to see Lars Eller throwing fists. But it's not what I'm watching. This, the, the thing about this, though, is like, not only that, are you increasing that risk? But if you're somebody who's like, man, I've never, I, I don't watch, I don't watch hockey, and you show up, and you're like, wow, look at all these fights. This is exciting. I don't know who any of these people are, but look at like, this is really exciting. So you watch that one game, right? And then you watch the next game, and you're like, wait, what what happened? This isn't anything like the last thing I just watched. Like your expectations were just it's not a UFC event. Right. It, it, and so like it's just not beneficial, right? Having your best players be your best players on the biggest stages when you have the most eyes is what's going to grow this game. Correct. Especially, in my opinion, in the United States, right? Like, everything, the NBA is successful because the NBA markets their players, and you can't tune into a basketball game without something happening, right? And it's never violence, right? Like, the NBA was never sit, like sitting I mean, same there. Same thing. With, same thing with football. Right. Well, f- football a little bit. Right. They're still like that element to their game is still there, and it, it brings debate. Uh, but the the problem is long term, and and the reason why basketball looks incredibly sustainable is because it's an easy sell to parents. Right? Like, no one's sitting there going, like, hey, uh, you want to play basketball? Or, like, if your kids come to you and say, hey, I want to play basketball, you're like, yeah, all right. You're not, like, you're at no moment in time do you have to sit there and go, like, what about the concussion risks? What about, like, you know, like, the worst injury that's get, that happens to basketball players is they tear ligaments in their, in their knees, typically. Right, they get MCL tears, they get ACL tears, 
and that limits their careers. But at least, like, they're functioning human beings afterwards. Uh, you go back to, like, 1980s hockey, right, where you've got, you know, Marty McSorley, and you've got, you know, uh, all these, like, goon players who are on the roster for the sole purpose of, I'm here to enforce, you know, so that m the best player on my team isn't getting hurt. Like, take a look at those guys. Like, like seriously, take a look at what those what those people's lives look like. Like Bob Probert's dead, right? Like you, you can go and count players that filled that role over the last ten years, right? How many of those guys are dead? The NFL's way worse. Guys like Junior Seau, you've got players who are just like, like CT is real. It ruins people's lives. So, like, going back to that is just senseless. And the NHL giving any notion that that's a place that they want to be and that's what's going to grow viewership is short and doesn't help their bottom line that they should be trying to help. Best thing for them to do would have been do the suspension, make it big, make it lengthy, right? Make players like that unemployable and you'll get players like that out of the game because there's no reason for a team to say yeah we'll take the risk of signing this player for multiple years here's because what, here's what you do though right like it it has to hurt here's here's how you can curb it right it has to hurt the player financially because we know players are in the business of money and at some point you have to start hurting the team who employs the player and say hey look we're gonna hurt you too because right. you keep giving this player a platform to exist, right? Because, exactly. again, and I mean, the NHLPA is going to, you know, again, they're in the business of protecting players, their paychecks per se. Paychecks, so yeah. at some point, right, because here's the thing, right? The, did the $5,000 really teach Tom Wilson anything? No. It's, <laughs> it's a slap on the wrist. He's not learned anything. The suspension it's not even a slap on the wrist. I mean, look, I'm assuming he walks around with $5,000 in his in his sweatpants, right? Like he's going, he's like, honey, I'm going to the store to pick up some milk, you know, just flots out a wad of five, you know, of cash. And is like, oh, here's a 20, you know, keep the change, you know, yeah. carton of milk or whatever it comes in. It's not a bag. And he's like five bucks. I don't know, whatever milk costs now. And that's it, right? It hasn't done it. So to me, at some point, you just, you keep penalizing the player financially until at one point the player says, hey, I'm man, I'm like, I'm not making money. And you start hurting the team. And whether that's, Taking money, you know, taking money away from their salary cap, or you know, do taking away bonus pool money, or whatever it may be, to draft picks, whatever. How far as you have to go to penalize teams who have repeat offender players on it? That's how you start to curve it. You you got to make it hurt, man. Like you really got to make it hurt. If not, you know. It doesn't. It doesn't change anything. And I and 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 I think another way to get it is at, so at least fans and people can understand. Make George Paros media available. I know it's not going to happen because the NHL protects them. But the same way you know fans scream about you know when referees make a bad call, yeah. have referees be media available. The, the the collective bargaining agreement literally forces coaches to be media available, right? Like how many times has John Tortorella taken a fine because he's basically <laughs> told media, I'm not doing this. And then they're like, hey, we can't do our jobs. And the NHL slaps him with a fine and says, hey, John, like 
you got to do this. Okay. It's, it's literally your job. So like if you're so pressed on having players be media available and coaches be media available, man, make referees media available and make George Peros media available every time he hands out a suspension. So at least, you know what his thought process is. Cause as of right now, I have no idea what went through his head when he decided to give Tom Wilson a $5,000 fine. No idea. And with all everything that happened after that, right, with the Buchnevis suspension and everything, no idea. I have no idea what the thought process is. And he handed out a whole bunch of other fines today and suspensions and whatnots, right? I mean, Pat Maroon got one game for, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. That must have been one heck of a conduct. But again, I don't, like the, the it's really hard to figure out what but this the is the thing is. yeah like uh, i would go as far as making referees available because i think the referees are too cool george peros is the senior vice president of safety are you telling me that the senior vice president of anything is not capable of talking to the media on a regular I, basis. I, I, the I know, again, I know they won't do it because you have to protect him. And I understand but the scrutiny that comes from it. I mean, from whatever he's doing. The NHL, look, the NHL is in the business of protecting their own. They do that, which is why they hand it. I mean, they handed out a quarter million dollar fine to a team for basically, you know, saying the truth, right? That's how it works, right? Yeah. So you tell the truth, you get fined for it. And, I mean, if I was the Rangers, I would have doubled down and said, really? I'll do it again, man. I'll write you a second check. doesn't matter. I mean, again, it was a strong position from the Rangers. And I think they like they knew what they were doing in the way that they said it and who they were blaming. And, again, I think it's unfair to George Peros because he, like, he does what the owners tell him to do. So I don't think he's unfit to do the job. I just think he's a scapegoat because he's, like you said, vice president of you know, player safety. But I would still make him media available, or at least have him explain every process and say, hey, this is why. At least it brings some transparency. Whether you agree with it or not is neither here nor there because you'll always have people who disagree with stuff. But at least you'll understand where you're going for. And you can hold him accountable afterwards and say, okay, well, you said one about one. Why are you saying two about two then? Right. Right. And, and, but that, what and you're that's, looking for is consistency and, in these calls. And that's the reason exactly why, right? Is because the difficulty is, is being consistent, right? And, and I agree. If you, if well, he was media available as and close to it as humanly possible, right? Oh, I, like, I, I, no doubt, right? It, it, it's a judgment call a lot of times, right? But you go not, back, you look at in player most history. Cases, you don't even need it to be a judgment call. You have precedent in almost. Like, I mean, again, but what like the NHL considers precedent different, right? So a player has to commit the same act before. I mean, has Tom Wilson ragdolled anybody yet? Like, is that why they're like, oh, he's never done it or whatnot? Or was a scrum? <laughs> like, that's the thing that I, I, I agree. There should be no precedent here. They should, like Tom Wilson is like a kid who keeps going to the principal's office. And they just keep like taking away his recess and you're like, okay, but that's not working. Like, let's do something else before Tom Wilson seriously hurts somebody, hurts somebody or hurts himself. Right. Right. That's the one thing as well. Like maybe one day he's going to get himself hurt as well from, you know, being himself or, or you, or at some point in time, you run the risk of team saying, 
were playing the Capitals tonight. Like, think about this, right? The Rangers played that game with nothing to gain. Not a single thing for the Rangers to gain in that game. So if you were playing the Capitals tomorrow night, well, what reason do you have to suit anybody up, right? Like, take your three best players, move them out, because why take the risk heading into the playoffs that Tom Wilson might go full Neanderthal and you might lose two players, I mean, what? He had three fights in that game before he left with his mystery injury. Or I'm sure that, you know, Capitals just said, hey, bud, like, that's it. They're they're out for you. So just hit the shower early, man. Protect yourself and, you know, come back next game. Because he played the next game afterwards. So this injury obviously was not very serious, but just enough to keep him out of the lineup and say, hey, let's, you know, don't come back. Basically, the Capitals are saying, hey, man, you don't need to, like, you know, I mean, one fight, fine. He had to do a lot of work in that game. A lot of work. So, I mean, I think he expected to have to answer the bell and deal with stuff. I don't think he, I don't think he was expecting to spend all night doing it. Right. So, and we saw this and and we've seen this type of thing before. We saw this with uh, Calgary last year in the playoffs where like Matthew Kachuk was fighting like it basically within five minutes of the start of the game because uh, I think it was against Winnipeg because of the what had happened. I think, yes, I, I think got hurt. Fought Blake Wheeler, was it? Yeah. Well, it was like there was a fight in that game, and then like basically his first shift the next game, he he had to fight right. again, and it might have happened. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be surprised if I went back and found that it was like every game at the start, just like the Jets were going to send the message that like this isn't what's happening. Like you're not going to go unchecked, and we're not walking away. Um, so like those things happen and by no means am I trying to say like, like Matthew Kachuk plays a similar ish game. Like he plays a little bit more on the edge. Uh, maybe not as much as, as Wilson does. Like, I don't think you would like, you don't see anyone getting ragdolled around. No, I think Matthew Kachuk is a, a super pest, right? Like he's kind of like, I I think he has a little bit more edge than Brad Marchand does. Right. Doesn't have the same amount of skill, but I don't consider Matthew Kachuk to be a dirty player. I think he's an annoying player. I I don't want to play him. I'm annoyed when he's on the ice. He does things that annoys me. Like he gets in those scrums. He's got that extra shove. He's got that extra stick. He plays, you know, he he goes outside the whistle sometimes, which is fine. Tom Wilson doesn't. Tom Wilson just flat out, you know, puts himself in, in, in a bad situation, right? Like he's hitting players from blind sides. He's getting himself suspended. He's he's doing things that you don't want to be in the league, right? Matthew Kuchuk, like I said, he's just annoying. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like him. He's, again, same thing like Brad Marshawn. Brad Marshawn's not a dirty player. He is annoying, right? Marshawn's not going to drill you from behind or hit you in the head. At worst, he's probably going to lick you. And, you know, that's something, you know, that's a whole other side there. But, I mean, Tom Wilson is just like, like he hasn't learned. So, like, you have to do something. And I think it's about keeping him accountable to it, making it hurt his paycheck. Because, again, if you hurt players' paychecks, they tend to change. Or at least they have to start before they go broke. And I think more transparency on the NHL side between how, you know, how they hand out suspensions and what's their thought process as to why or why not. 
and make that public information. There's no reason that we should be guessing, right? Same thing as we shouldn't be guessing with what is goaltender interference, right? Like yeah. every time it happens, we're sitting back going, oh my God, is this a goal? Like we have no idea. Well, when a player is, you know, having a hearing, we shouldn't sit there and go, I mean, we have no idea. It should be consistent. It should be transparent. And again, whether we agree with it or not, it's neither here nor there. But at least knowing what's going on inside of George Paros's head when he makes a decision, I think fans deserve to know it. I think players want to know it too. So they can better gauge that and say, okay, well, if we do this, then, you know, this is going to happen. Because right now, I don't think players know either. And for the players who ride that close line, you know, that's tough. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't... The change isn't coming. No. Right? I think that's kind of the underlying theme here is that, like... Uh, I mean, the NHL... Like, hockey fans are divided... Right, I don't think that's changed. That's I think since the game has moved away from uh, getting rid of fighting, that you have you know you have that line that sits between where you have you know people who want quote unquote old old school hockey, old time hockey, and you've got you know the more modern hockey fan who wants to see like awesome plays. They want to like they want to see. You know, players go between their yeah. legs and score a goal. They I'm all see. about I'm all about skill. I yeah, don't know about right. you, Andrew, but I love watching when the NHL players go to the Olympics. And I don't see one tough guy there. I see the I, skill. I, I see top skill all the time. Now, obviously, not every NHL team can be built like an Olympic team. But I want to yeah. see guys who are out there just like I want to see skill. I want to see dominant skill. I know there are players who have different roles and stuff like that, but I mean, to me, it's skill. That's all I want to see. Well, I, I, I like to sit somewhere in the middle, right? Like, I like playoff hockey. I like, like, tight checked games. Like, I don't need anyone getting blindsided. I don't need, like, the, the, like, I, I hate the idea that, like, there was once a time where, like, if you showed too much skill in a game that like you would have to fight because right. you're showing up the other, you're, you know, you're showing somebody up, right? Like I want players to be able to play. I get that, you know, playoff hockey is different from regular season hockey, but like the era of like Scott Stevens catching right. you with your head down. That's as, right. You know, crossing the line, you know? Was, yeah. Dion Phaneuf was kind of the yeah, last yeah. player of that, that who played the game like that. Like, that's gone. And the reason why that's gone is because, one, uh, players are too fast, right? Like, you, how often, you, why was Dion Phaneuf a pylon? Because he was so often so far out of out of place because he tried to lay a big hit. And he got skated by and the other team scored, right? Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, that's that's really what the difference is to me is like, you know, Playoffs start, what, a week from six days from now? Mm-hmm. If McDavid shows up game one, scores five, five times, I hope that in game two there's nothing that happens where that would prevent him from doing the exact same thing, right? Because that's not what should happen in the game, right? 
you shouldn't have, you know, I guess I think they'll be. I don't even know who on that team would be like a Logan Stanley, like six foot seven, like come out and try to fight McDavid or like do something dirty. No one wants that. That's not, well, no one should want that. That's not making more fun to watch. It's not making, right? It, it furthers no one's agenda. The NHL doesn't make more money. The teams don't make more money. So uh, I'd like to see Logan Stanley try to catch McDavid, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that I would pay enough, money yeah. to see, though. It, yeah. Again, no it, offense well, to Logan Stanley and his family, but it would be a situation. Well, you would end up with a situation in a corner, right, where it's just like something bad happens. You're like, it would just be terrible. And no matter who the player was, right? It's like, hey, look, you had a great game. Awesome, you had a great game. Like, if you don't like it, figure it out. Like, defensive, yeah. figure out a, a scheme. A defensive scheme that doesn't involve you playing dirty. Hey, call up the Montreal Canadiens. I'm sure Dominic Ducharme will give them whatever strategy they have to slow them down. Because, I mean, outside of that, you know, halves are pretty below average in every other category. But at least they've figured out how to semi-control McDavid, which is which is nice. I'm happy they've been able to do that. It's a shame it's going to go to waste. But I'm happy they've somewhat able to figure out slowing down the best player and which is wild because we've seen McDavid at his at his peak frustration right with those you know chicken wing elbows only against Montreal where he kind of gets frustrated that he can't you know find space and absolutely tear to team a new one I'm sure yeah make a call out there to Jacques Lemaire and come he's probably been sitting at home plotting out how how you you can slow down the NHL again. So, uh, um, anyways, uh, on that note, we didn't talk a ton about fantasy this week. Uh, we did talk a ton about hockey, though. Uh, we are basically into the last week, right? Uh, I think the NHL announced yesterday playoffs will start next Saturday. So that means there'll be like Calgary and Vancouver just playing meaningless games while the playoffs are going on. Uh, We'll see how that actually plays out in DFS slates. Hopefully they uh, are not on the slates. I would assume they wouldn't be, but it's a game, so anything can happen, uh, especially if, uh, you know, the site, the game makers aren't prepared. So uh, have a great week, everybody. Uh, we'll see you in the chat, and uh, the next time you hear from us, it's playoff time. We'll be a few games in. <laughs>